Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And in addition to being a council member, I am also, um, I don't remember what I signed up for this, but I'm also a committee person here in the Montgomery County Democratic Committee in Pennsylvania. And if you've listened to the podcast before, which I hope you have, you know I've talked to people at all levels of government from Senate, uh, from Senator Casey and maybe soon to be Senator John Fetterman and others, um, to Congress, to school board, but I haven't focused enough on one of the things that is really important in politics, and that is really getting involved on a local level as a committee person, a county chair, and all those kind of political offices that actually anyone can do. Not everyone can do it well, but anyone can do it. Uh, and today I'm excited to talk to one of my friends who is an elected official himself with a lot of history in politics, and also our county chair here in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the most important county in all of Pennsylvania, whatever anyone else says. His name is Jason Salas. Jason, thanks for talking today. Thanks for having me, Tony. And uh, it's funny, everyone, well, not everyone, but most of the people when they come on here, they're like, oh, I'm nervous about talking. It's like, you've done this many times. You could probably talk, if you can't do this, then we have a little bit of a problem here. Uh, Well, I'll do my best to... um... Uh, to keep it interesting for your folks. Oh well, I'll I'll, I'll make some stuff up then. Um, so I, we before we started recording, um, realized that we met many many years ago in 2005 or so when I was working on a congressional campaign here, and um, the candidate Lois Murphy, who's now a judge, she said, "There's this great young person um, who um, is doing a lot of things in Cochahokan. You should reach out to him for help." So that was my first connection to you, but was that the first time you got really involved in politics, or had you been involved before then as well? No, um, I got involved in 1991, the end of 1991. I was about 13 years old, and I remember I was sitting in the car with my father waiting at the train station for my mother to come home, and uh, our local news radio station uh, uh, KYW, which mm-hmm. Tony, you probably know uh, from the area, but some of your your national listeners may not. Uh, it's it's um, the the predominant uh, news radio station in uh, in our region. They covered a, um, a speech. It must have been the end of the year uh, on healthcare reform uh, by Bill Clinton, who you know had started his presidential campaign, and it resonated with me not because my parents were politically involved; they weren't, uh, but. Uh, health insurance was uh, was a challenge for for us mm-hmm. um, at the time. My parents didn't have health insurance coverage, and my sister and I were on the CHIP program for for uninsured kids. And I I made mention of that to my father, and and he said, "Well, you should do something about it." And uh, they weren't, like I said, they weren't politically involved or active, but uh, but they were regular voters. They were super voters. So when we got home that night, remember, it was back in 1991. Um, they took out the white pages and looked up the uh, phone number for uh, our local committee person who they knew from, from going to the polls, uh, Herman Rosenberger II. And, you know, he put me to work uh, leafleting door to door after school and working at the polls, greeting voters, handing out our, our sample ballot, listing all of our uh, endorsed candidates. And that was really my, my first entree to the, um, to local politics and, you know, really resonated with me that, uh, no matter how young or old you are, um, and how discreet the task, 
there's a role for everybody to play in, in making a difference in the process. And you're a county chair now. We'll get to that. But you, you as a county chair, you are involved in knowing or connecting with hundreds of activists in one way or another, whether they are committee people or candidates themselves. Is that most of us didn't start at 13? But is that kind of the story you hear a lot of that most of the people who are involved in this level actually started as like, where do I go? And I just found out locally. Yeah, you know, usually there's there's a spark uh, for someone, whether uh, whether they know a neighbor who is involved or who's running for local office. Um, a lot of times it's national elections that um, they get people's interest and get them involved. And it typically starts with, you know, smaller, you know, getting involved at, at the very local level in your, you know, in your immediate neighborhood. Uh, and for folks who, uh, who, who have a fire lit, they, you know, they stay involved and, and find ways to stay involved, whether it's volunteering or, or as a committee person or running for council like you did, Tony. Um, so there's, there's a lot of ways for, for folks to get involved. Now there's a lot of um, interest in uh, the inside poll workers, which in Pennsylvania are elected in every precinct uh, across the state. So the judges of elections, the inspectors of elections, to make sure that, uh, that our uh, elections are run um, you know, smoothly, uh, and that, um, and that they're free and fair. Even though you're only 13 at the time, you do have a unique perspective in terms of your family and paying attention to things from then to now. And this is something I was going to ask you when we, um, for a while now, back then in 1990, just a, you know, short time before then there was an election for governor and the map shows today that uh, the state was all blue for then Governor Bob Casey, who is the pro anti-abortion Democrat running for governor, and then Montgomery County was the only Republican county in the state. And now, you know, from the past couple elections, not just for President Biden, but for Senate elections, Montgomery County is kind of like the swing part to help Democrats win. From your perspective of being on the ground that whole time, what do you think has been the biggest change? Is it the people have changed? Is it the parties have changed or both? You know, I, I think it's both. Uh, I, I think, you know, Montgomery County represents a, a suburban sensibility um, that, um, that appeals to a broad swath of, of voters. Um, and, and the county has changed. We've grown a lot. Um, you know, we're the third largest county in the state, larger than, I think, um, than five other states, I, I believe. Um, so we're, we're diverse uh, socioeconomically, ethnically, um, and, you know, all those, uh, all, all those pieces have, have contributed to it. But we've also, as, as all these things have been changing, we haven't been sitting uh, by and, and watching them change we have continuously worked to to build the party and grow the party, get new um, uh, new volunteers involved, recruit committee people, uh, elect folks at the local level, uh, like again, like you, Tony, running for borough council. So we we've tried to to build uh, as much from the bottom up as the as the top down, uh, and and really integrate everything. So I. I if be a shame for me not to bring that up, that you did run for local office first, running in Conshohocken. And I think that you and kind of that group that started running there really kind of changed the politics in Conshohocken, just like we changed things here in Bridgeport. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, and you know, Conchocken is is one example of how Montgomery County is changing. Conchocken has a, a very uh, vibrant, younger demographic, uh, young professionals, um, and uh, there were uh, a few of us that ran back in 2007 and really changed sort of the the direction of uh, uh, of the town and professionalized how the town was uh, was run and and being run for the future. Um, and also how we run elections uh, using more technology and and data uh, and, and spending more time uh, talking to voters and, and targeting voters. So um, you know, the, the two things sort of happen uh, around the same time. And you've had other aspirations in politics and a lot of really cool moments. Um, but what was the kind of thing that made you think that I'm going to run for local office? Because you were in your 30s then, around 30 then, right? You were pretty young, um, and maybe 29. And so a lot of younger people, their vision of politics isn't bad, but they're like thinking higher up. They don't think about the importance of local office. So what was it kind of that made you think that, one, I should do this, and this is an important thing to do? Well, first of all, I was um, I was on Contaken's planning commission at the time, which mm-hmm. reviews um, – uh, and offers feedback and uh, and suggestions for development plans. So I had already volunteered for local government, knew some of the local officials, uh, and knew the knew the community, knew my neighbors. Um, I was a committee person in my ward in Conchocken, but also the Democratic area leader for that town and two surrounding towns. And the uh, the, the the truth is, Tony, when you're the area leader. To recruit local candidates, and um, I going through that process, folks. Uh, when I'd reach out to folks and ask for suggestions on who to run for for council, a lot of folks uh, begged off. Uh, whether it was the time commitment or they were intimidated by it, uh, but a number of them said, "You should run," uh, pointing to me. And I, I hesitated because I was newer in town. I think I'd lived in town, owned a home for about 18 months. But I, I stepped up and saw it through and knocked on all of my targeted doors four times and wound up beating the incumbent, uh, who is literally the town historian. He wrote the several books about the history of the town. Uh, I beat him by 10%. Uh, so, uh, so, so, again, I think there is a desire for some new voices uh, in our uh, in our politics and in our government. Uh, but the, the hard work, uh, I think, really pays off. And what? how excited do, uh, is an area leader? And, and before I go, what's an area leader? Because is that everywhere in the count, in the in the state or is it like a Monco Southeast PA type thing? Yeah, every I'd say every party organization does it differently. In Montgomery County, we have uh, internal to our party geographic boundaries, some of them uh, overlay a school district, some of them overlay um, a legislative district or districts. Uh, Ours overlays our school districts, the three towns that comprise, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, our school district, uh, the three towns that comprise uh, our school district, Conshohocken, Plymouth, which some folks may know as Plymouth Meeting, and White Marsh, which some folks may know as Lafayette Hill. Um, then there's other parts of Montgomery County that um, that have other other boundaries. Some of the, um, I'd say every county does a little bit differently, but they do try and subdivide uh, the county uh, just to make it more 
easy to, to, to manage and organize campaigns and, and campaign activity. And so how excited is an area leader or a party leader when there is a younger person, 30s, you know, 35 and lower, um, who is at all interested in local politics? How, like, because you've seen as many times, it, people get pretty excited when that happens, right? Yeah, we, uh, we love getting new folks involved, younger folks involved. Um, uh, but I, I would say also that, um, that we have a range of, of ages um, uh, involved. We have a, uh, a township councilman uh, next door in, in Plymouth who's early 20s. And we have council people who are, you know, three times his age. Um, so I really think it takes everybody working to, together, uh, A, to, to have different perspectives uh, at the decision-making table, uh, and B, you know, in terms of, of campaigns and, and elections, there's a, there's a role for everybody to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, need, uh, uh, we need all hands on deck for this. Yeah, and we need all hands on deck in 2022. I guess every election is the most important, but... Um, you and I are probably very excited about this upcoming election. What do you think, how does Montgomery County uh, play in terms of the importance of the all the elections? But uh, First at the top of the ticket, because we have a big Senate, and the, the entire fate of the country may rest on our county. As it has so, Tony, you may know this, um, that these two data points. Uh, I don't know if you pointed them out to, to your listeners. 2016, Donald Trump won Pennsylvania by about 44,000. In the ensuing years uh, in Montgomery County and southeastern Pennsylvania, we uh, we did a lot of party building. There were a lot of folks who were, you know, were were animated and wanted to know what they could do to to get involved, like we were talking before, run for local office, you know, become committee people, become poll workers, uh, or just regular volunteers. And we uh, we flipped a lot of local communities from red to blue um, uh, in Montgomery County and southeastern Pennsylvania. We flipped a lot of seats in the state legislature. Uh, and then because of ungerrymandered maps in 2018, we won a number of congressional seats in southeastern Pennsylvania. Well, in 2020, the, um, uh, the raw vote margin uh, uh, increased uh, for Democrats over 2016 in Montgomery County by 41,000 votes. So essentially 41,000 uh, of the 44,000 deficit uh, we were able to make up here in Montgomery County uh, through a lot of that hard granular granular organizing work mm-hmm. uh, and and finding a, a role for, for everyone. As you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of, of knocking on doors, talking to voters, meeting them where they are, and we've tried to instill that culture throughout our, our organization um, because I, I think it's so valuable to, to hear people directly and, and gain perspective from them directly about what's on their mind, even more, more so than what a, what a poll can tell you. Mm-hmm. I think hearing directly from voters, um, and I think sometimes we're surprised to hear uh, candid feedback from Democratic voters, uh, which is why I think it's so so critical uh, to uh, to be out there listening to to folks and earning their trust and earning their vote. Yeah, and I know. I mean, when I first ran, Jason knocked with me. 
Um, and not only that, but he's knocked with other candidates here in Bridgeport. And um, when you were both on the ballot for treasurer and county treasurer, which you are, and when you weren't. Uh, so that is a, an, a very important thing, especially for local office, right? Like that's, that's basically how you win is by knocking on doors and maybe some mail. Yep. Yes. Now, one thing I've noticed, and you probably noticed too, as we've changed the county, is a number of significant Republicans have switched, whether how they vote or even joining the Democratic Party. Um, they were long business type Republicans. Um, I don't want to name names, but because I don't know all of them. But um, uh, I've even met in 2016 some women who said that they were a Republican committee member, and now they had a Hillary Clinton sign or a Joe Biden sign in 2020. One, are you seeing still seeing that in, in our county in the area? And two, you know, is there, do you see a concern amongst Democrats that yes, we want to be a welcoming party, but does that change what it means to be a Democrat if we're bringing in all these upset Republicans? Is, are we still staying true to our? Can we do that while staying true to our de- Democratic progressive values? Um. Yes, we're we're still seeing uh, some of that. Um, some some Republicans come over. I would say, uh, I'd say we're seeing that anecdotally, um, uh, but not nearly to the extent that we saw uh, in in years past. I think because a lot of those folks have already, you know, <clears throat> have already come over. As far as are we welcoming to them? In terms of volunteers, again, we need we need all we need all hands uh, we need all hands on deck. Uh, you know, I, I think the the overarching question uh, for this election and, and probably for a few elections yet to, to come is um, do we support uh, democracy? And, you know, I believe the Democratic Party is a pro-democracy party. Mm-hmm. And, and we need you know, as many allies in, in that as, as we uh, as we can can get, uh, because from. Uh, the protection of democracy flows voting rights and, you know, from the right to, to vote and having uh, every legitimate vote counted, I think flows um, a lot of the uh, other rights that we, that we cherish and we want to protect and, um, and preserve and, and try to expand. Yeah. I see welcoming former Republicans uh, who are moderate Republicans, like a lot of pro-choice people, Republicans in the area, um, who now switch to Democrats. It's just kind of like when you run for local office, you kind of change what people know about the Democratic Party. And I guess it can be the same on the Republican Party too, but as they get so conspiratorial and fringe on a lot of things, once we let them into the end of the pool, they realize that, oh, well, this is not the scary thing I saw on Fox News. Like these are actually normal neighbor people. Yes. And so one thing, now you're a county chair, which is exciting because you have a good history about the county and you know what's going on here. Um, We have a county chair in every county. What does that mean? Does it just like you put your name on there and and you get to go around and like Daddy Warbucks and be all excited, like with a big top hat and monocle? Um, Is this an important role? Is it something that people in other counties in the country should strive to do, or is it just a title? Well, I certainly don't view it as a view it as a title. I would hope you did because that would be terrible. <laughs> um, Tony, you've heard me say uh, that I believe Montgomery County is the key to the Keystone, mm-hmm. um, and I'll refer back to that you know that forty one thousand vote deficit uh, that we 
um, uh, that we helped to, to close uh, in 2020, um, and the and the work that we do, and and the the, the sheer number of votes that we can turn out. Um, I am focused on one uh, delivering uh, the largest possible vote margins that we can for the top of the ticket, um, and for our for our incumbents. And we have an opportunity in Montgomery County to flip some some legislative seats. And you know, I, I think Dobbs has has changed the calculus on uh, on some of that, uh, but we have to keep our you know uh, our, our pedal to the metal and, and do the hard work and and work to to fund our, our candidates uh, and make sure that we're you know we're we're staying uh, in the driver's seat. So you know, activating our committee people to do the field work to to turn out the vote, uh, being supportive where we can uh, to 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 help fund our candidates, especially where there's pickup opportunities. And, and also again, with the, with the statewide, uh, elections, um, which, you know, are, are similar to a, to a national election in terms of intensity, trying to get everybody on the same page working together, uh, so that there's synergy and we can leverage, um, the, the different energies out there into a, into a uniform effort. Yeah. The top of the ticket this year, we, we both, Strong supporters of Josh Shapiro, no matter what. Um, but his opponent, Doug Mastriano, is the pro- possibly the worst person that's run for governor in the country in the last twenty years of any like even fringe person. It, it's very scary. Do you think that we we should and can tie him to every Republican running at least make them on the record that if I'm Tom Smith running for state representative, they have to say if they're voting and supporting him. We're uh, we're trying. A lot of them don't want to say. Um, like uh, Pat Toomey uh, won't say who he's voting for for, for governor. Uh, but yeah, I think they should all be held to account. Um, especially our legislators, our incumbent legis- you know, the the Republican incumbent legislators. They're they're colleagues. Uh, they're current colleagues. Uh, is you know Mastriano is a state senator. So uh, so yeah, they should be held to account for that. So which brings me to a question I've been having a lot. I asked my senator Amanda Capaletti about this, and I've asked a few others about this as well. Um, uh, Jeremy Moss from Michigan. This uh, weird weird conundrum in politics, and especially in suburban politics. So maybe you could help future candidates or future people in office think about it. Is in theory the Republicans who represent places like Montgomery and Chester and Delaware County, they need to appeal to all sides. It's not like they're going to win regardless like certain people in other parts of Pennsylvania or Virginia or Ohio, etc. But those are also, the reason they have to appeal to those people is because they're the most at risk of losing. They have a marginal seat, as they would say. So if you're a Democrat and you want to work across the aisle, those are the people who are willing to work across the aisle with you. But those are also the people you most want to beat how do you work in that kind of work environment? Because you've worked in professional businesses as well. Like you wouldn't want to work with it's a weird dynamic to go to work with people and the person you're gonna you can succeed with is also the person you most want to kick out of your company. Unfortunately, I think when most folks uh, run and, and run at that level, uh, they recognize that um, uh, that it's competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a competition for ideas, um, and um, and that's that's part of um, that, that that's part of government and part of uh, politics that um, that there's competition, mm-hmm. and you know, that, that that's that's a reality of it. 
Hey, I think that's a fair answer. And I've heard that from other people, even a local office where, you know, we voted one way locally when we had a more of a split council and someone said, well, that's just how it is. You have to understand that and, and move forward. You have to be, at some point you have to be an adult. Right. Yeah. The, again, the, there's a reality to it that every two or four, in the case of the U.S. Senate, every six years, you face the voters um, and their their moods may change based on what's going on in the country or the electorate may change. Um, so that's that, that's a reality of being an elected official. So we started this by saying that um, Montgomery County was the one Republican county 32 years ago. And now it is, like you said, the key to the Keystone State. But we, we wouldn't be the only key, not the only key, but we wouldn't be so important if other states could, counties in Pennsylvania could match Montgomery County. And the same in other states. Like if every, if every county in Ohio could match what we're doing here, Tim Ryan would win by 10 points. What, what would your advice be to people in other counties, not just in Pennsylvania, to try to uh, grow to what we've done here in Montgomery County? A few things. First of all, uh, I mentioned before that the national and statewide elections uh, tend to catch the interest of prospective volunteers. Take advantage of that. Bring all of those folks, uh, welcome those folks into the into the the party structure, and you know, give them give them jobs and and titles if uh, if they need it. Whether it's committee person uh, or or data you know data director or chair of the, the technology committee um, or fundraising, uh, try and bring all of those people in and. Part of doing that is that you need to have, you need to, to give them regular volunteer opportunities and communicate with folks regularly to know, so that they know that there's uh, a vibrant living organization. Uh, and that starts with, that starts with leadership and, mm-hmm. and some vision and, and some planning. Um, second, contest every election. Uh, put up a candidate for every election because you, you may not win them all. Uh, but you're you're going to win zero um, percent uh, of elections that you don't contest. Uh, you're, you know, uh, so so contest every election, and if you win, that's that's great. Then you have a seat at the table and and uh, and building blocks. If you don't win, those are building blocks for folks uh, who who come after you um, to, to run in the future. Uh, you've identified, you know, potential volunteers, learned about issues, collected data. So I think those are, are two pieces of, of advice that, uh, that I would give folks use, um, use the energy, uh, from, from national elections as building blocks, um, uh, and, uh, uh contest every election. Uh, and it's hard, mm-hmm. you know, the name of your podcast is You Should Run. I've spent countless hours over, you know, uh, 20 plus, 25 years convincing people that they should run, that you don't have to be uh, a PhD or have a master's in public administration or a law degree uh, to be a township supervisor or a school board member or a borough council person. And, you know, local government especially is designed to be citizen government, mm-hmm. uh, citizen governance. Uh, so, I, you know, I think if you um, can listen to your neighbors and you care about your community 
and you you know you can ask good questions. I think you have the makings of a good local official. So I guess I would end this, Tony, by um, uh, again referring back to the title of, uh, of your podcast: Run for Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know that that's a critical element of, of building uh, a party organization. Yeah, and I just want to. I hope you don't mind me getting on the uh, rec- uh, throwing you a curveball here, maybe, but. Yeah, you, know, you don't not, not talking about Contra Hocken because that's not fair because that's where you were a local official. But you have I, I know you've nurtured or encouraged people to run like Leslie Richards, for example. I remember you introducing me to her before she ran for county commissioner. And now she's been a, had a very successful career in government. Do you have any kind of examples that you've seen of people who didn't think they would ever do this and do anything very political beyond voting or door knocking. And then you saw them succeed. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I have to, like, I know our mayor, Beth Jacksier, she was just put in a little library and then we're like, we need someone to run. And she ended up, ended up not only being on council, but she ended up becoming mayor by like seven votes and is doing a great job. So that was not what she was expecting five years ago. Uh, Leslie, I mean, Leslie is the, the best example. Sorry I mean, for I, taking that from you. <laughs> you know, next door, um, to, to White Marsh Township uh, here in Montgomery County, Whitpain Township. Mm-hmm. A woman by the name of Michelle Minnick ran for supervisor. Townships, it's like Township Council in 2017. And she ran against um, an incumbent, a woman who everybody said could not be beaten. She was a former state uh, representative. Uh, she had a you know good profile. She was an attorney, um, could raise a lot of money. Uh, but uh, but Michelle went uh, knocked on knocked on doors. Uh, she worked with her you know other candidates who were running for township office, different township offices at the time, and you know raised money to get her message out. And she wound up beating the incumbent by three hundred and fifty votes. And then that again talking about building blocks. Uh, two years later, that was the building block for Democrats to win the majority for the first time ever in Whitpain Township. And Michelle went on to become chair of the, the first Democratic chair of that board. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so so I, you know, I point to examples like that where, you know, you you start and, and, and do the do the work. And especially if the fundamentals are, are there, it, it can pay off. Um, but a lot of it is neighbor to neighbor. You know, a lot of it is about uh, local issues uh, that um, that are right in front of, uh, right in front of your eyes, or, or right in front of your uh, your doorstep. Uh, and that's easy to easier for folks to 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 relate to when you're talking about getting roads paved, getting street lights fixed, getting the the trash picked up. So you know, go and 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 talk to your to your neighbors, but. Leslie Richards started out as a township supervisor and wound up as a as a state cabinet secretary. So, so I, I I think that's a that's a that's a good example. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that Joe Biden had to go and pick Pete Buttigieg. I mean, who's he when we had Leslie <laughs> Richards right here in Pennsylvania? But uh, you know, maybe next time we'll we'll, we'll get, pick more Pennsylvanians for government. Yes. Um, we have a lot of top prospects here in Montgomery County, uh, which brings me to the last thing: if people are interested in figuring asking questions. Maybe seeing your advice for what they could do locally in, um, you know, whatever Westmoreland County or Trumbull County or Mahoning County, wherever. Uh, what's the best way that they could reach out to you online, on social, et cetera, to connect and see what they could learn? So you can email me 
at jsalus at mcdems.org. And how about if I give you my Twitter handle? It's at Jason Salus, S-A-L-U-S. Very easy to remember. Uh, I really recommend people reach out because Jason, it sincerely does help out people who are running for office. And that's the way we win is by having more people up and down the ballot. And that's how, if we can have a Democratic Conshohocken, we can have a Democratic Montgomery County, we can have a Democratic uh, Pennsylvania, which is very important for all sorts of things. So, uh, Jason, I appreciate all you've done. And hopefully all, all you'll continue to do as we try to get some victories here. Yes. Tony, thanks for having me. And if you're listening, hopefully you are, hopefully you will listen to this and maybe you should run for office too.